0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Board Game Mechanics, episode 99, Jason, this is, uh, we're going to triple digits, no looking back.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man.
0: Oh yeah, and that's Jason, I'm Joel. Uh, boy, we have, (laughs) we have lost our strength, we have a bad case of the yips when it comes to the intros now, I think. (laughs) That's because you went and said something about my name being, hey guys, what's going on? (laughs) Well, later when we head to our fan segment, um, your buddy Brandon knows his name really is your buddy Brandon. (laughs)
1: That's true. He did say that. <laughs> so, uh,
0: no, I, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, 99 episodes, you've, you've been going strong, and you guys continue to go strong. I think we had one of our best weeks last week. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this with people. Thank you for... Uh, just your support and being involved with, uh, you know, hanging out with us on social media, all kinds of things. We really appreciate it. I know you guys have all kinds of choices when it comes to what kind of podcast you want to listen to. You guys have all kinds of choices on where you want to get your video content. And the fact that we're included in your list is just really an honor to us. Uh, so thank you for that for sure. Um, and I mean, like I know the typical – we don't do the typical Board game banter thing where Jason will say a game and then I tell him why he's wrong and why he doesn't have an opinion that's his own. Or, I like that's I feel like that's I've watched a lot of board game videos this week and I think that's the formula, right? That like you say, I like game A, and then I go, Game A, more like game bad. I don't know,
1: <laughs> yeah. And then the, all the while doing that, we're sponsored by some random different board game company, yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, the fact that I think you and I like each other is what makes us different <laughs> than the rest of the groups out there.
1: It could be. You're probably right.
0: <laughs> but it's not all Rainbow and Sunshine's for us either um, because I to record this podcast tonight, Jason, I had to strip myself away from, from looking at photos of Baby Yoda. So I'm not looking at <laughs> Baby Yoda right now. I'm recording a podcast. Just when I look in Baby Yoda's eyes, I feel everything that I need to feel by board games. So, I mean yeah he is pretty he is pretty adorable he's 50 years old did you know that yeah i did yeah i've watched every episode of that show baby yoda is older than me and and i'll never be that cute
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's a pretty high bar with yoda and baby yoda for sure
0: disney disney plus you've done it again uh (laughs) how long before we see baby yoda appear in a board game
1: Oh, I hope not long at all. <laughs>
0: yeah, same. <laughs>
1: he'll probably be in Destiny or something like that, I'm I, sure.
0: Well, I was thinking, like, he'll probably be in Kanban EV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For no reason at all, just to show Why
0: up. Why wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> he's a beautiful little yeah, Muppet. That's true. Well, okay. The other thing, too, uh, this this may feel speedy, because, boy, we're starting, like, an hour later than we normally record. So, uh yeah, I guess let's jump to it, Jason.
1: All right, so I looked at Kickstarter. I couldn't find anything good that I wanted to talk about. So I wanted to talk about something that's kind of controversial. It was hitting some of the Facebook groups pretty hot and heavy the last couple days. And that is the fact that next year, PAX Unplugged will be overlapping with BGG Con for two days. So, PA- Pax Unplugged will be from November 20th to the 22nd, and BGG Con will be from the no- November 18th to the 22nd.
0: It's probably bad for companies. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. That if I'm a modestly large company, I'm not going to Pax U. Probably, I'm going to BGG Con. You know, um, I don't know. I, it might have been a bad move for Pax U. Because Pax is a great show by all accounts. I've never been. You've been, right? To Pax U? Yeah,
1: I went to the first year. Yeah.
0: But BGGCon is, like, such – it's becoming, like, a preeminent show. Um, And I know they have different focuses, really, but I think overlapping was probably a bad call from a business standpoint. But whatever, you know? I mean, I'm pretty positive there's no, like, triumvirate of board game distributors that said, we're going to ruin your November next year by making these overlaps. So – I'm sure they may, I don't know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them changes, to be honest, because I just, I don't know, I, I feel like they're cannibalizing themselves a little bit, but whatever, such is life.
1: Yeah, I'm just ready for all the board game media to start complaining that they're so tired from having to travel to two conventions to play games back to
0: back to back. I don't yeah. know, does anybody get flown places <laughs> because they're sponsored? That'd be like, wow, that'd be like next level stuff there.
1: I bet there are some. I bet there are.
0: <laughs> there, well, I bet there are. I bet the cons fly people in for some of these because yeah, I know, I know, true. like some of the cons, like smaller cons especially, they like really advertise that they're gonna have. You know, like I'm not gonna say anything about any other podcast media or whatever, but they have featured people there, and I'm sure they fly them in. So I don't know, oh, it, whatever. I it's. I guess the thing is, too, like, I started watching more board game videos, like, in the background noise as I got busy this week. Just, it's good noise to have on. And it like is. I like it. S- some of it's good. Some of it's like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know about that. But most of it's just, like, the more I feel like I separate myself from that, the more I feel like I'm a good podcaster for for us. Because I don't, they all start sounding alike. You start listening to different channels, and they say the same things about games. And, like, that, That I guess, that rant came out of the fact that these conventions are overlapping somehow and i'm not sure how that happened but (laughs) i don't know it just it really does feel like there's one voice out there and even though it comes from many sources we just really get i don't know the hype monster gets pretty real so i don't know i'm i'm thinking i'm gonna step back again and kind of try and keep some space between myself and and uh like anything but like news releases and whatever so whatever that's me i i I had no news this week jason did you have anything else you want to say about that
1: no, that's all I got. I I was struggling to find that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm done.
0: Speedy, man. We're getting into these games played quick. Hey, Jason, before we talk about what we played, we should probably hear what one of our fans played. So I guess without any further fanfare, let's hear what a fan played.
2: Hey, Joel. Hey, Jason. This is Jason's buddy Brandon. I'm calling about games I've been playing. Having two teenage daughters is hard to find games. They want to sit down and play with their old man. My 13-year-old is not big into conflict games, just like Jason. So I borrowed the game Robinson Crusoe from Jason. It is a 2012 game published by Portal Games. It is a one-to-four-player cooperative game. In this game, you're on an uninhabited island trying to complete missions. On the first mission that we've tried to play, Castaways, you're trying to uh, collect wood to start a fire to um, get a plane to stop and uh, rescue you. Um, in this game, you are flipping tiles. Um, you have little meeples that you're uh, placing here and there, uh, no rolling dice. Um, as you explore the, explore the island, you uncover secrets, which gives you um, more um, more treasures, more mysteries, um, that help you in further adventure. Um, you're trying to set up a camp where um, storms come and blow it down, rainstorms, snowstorms. So you have to keep on building them up as the weather tears them down. Um, we have played this about four times, and each time we've uh, we've lost. Uh, we have never beat it. Um, so I've played it at one player, two player, and four players, and um, all of them are good. Um, I enjoy the two-player more. And with that, uh, my second game that I've been playing is Roll for Adventure. Jason has talked about this before. Um, it is a dice-rolling game. It is a game from Cosmos. It's a two- to four-player 4, four player game. It takes about 30 minutes to play. Um, you roll dice, and you can only place uh, dice on certain boards that have uh, that number of pits on it. Um, you're fighting um, Masters of Shadows, um, trying to, de- to defeat them, to collect um, their power stones. Uh, once you get so many power stones, um, you, you win the adventure. Um, it's a very light, simple game. Um, my 13-year-old enjoys it. We have played it multiple times. Um, so if you love co-op games, War for Adventure is a nice and simple game. Thank you for your time. Thanks for uh,
0: the podcast and keep gaming. So that was your buddy, Brandon, um, playing, playing a couple of games that I'm a little surprised he's playing. So have you played those with him or is he just doing that outside of your company?
1: Uh, no, I played Robinson Crusoe with him a long time ago and roll for adventure. I gave it to him when I was done with the review and he he likes co-ops. He likes to play them with his wife and his daughter Mm. daughters. So, um, yeah, I don't play them a ton. So I was like, Hey, if you're going to play them, go ahead and take them, have fun. And
0: yeah. And Brandon's like our secret member of the riveted because he's not like really a social media guy, it seems, but he's a very faithful fan and faithful listener. Um, and just a cool dude, man. I've gotta play a game or two with this guy. Really like him. Just a neat guy. So I'm glad he was able to be on the show. Um and uh thanks for thanks for recording that for us, Brandon. Well anyway, I guess we'll get into what we played now.
1: All right, so I didn't get to play a ton of games last weekend or last week. I think I played one and I played it live on Facebook with Katie, and that's the one I'm gonna talk about, and it is called Council of Four. Pretty sure oh, I've talked excellent. about it before, but if I did, oh well. Um, so this is a game where uh, it's from the Italian designers. I'm not sure which ones, but I like all of them a lot. So this is essentially a game that's kind of like Ticket to Ride style. You're drafting that you're drawing these cards that are colors and you're trying to use these colored cards to influence one of these four councils um, to get contract or building permits to put new people on the council to get some money to bribe the king. So you you can just build without contracts. It's a pretty straightforward game, but the interesting thing here is every time you build a building by getting contracts, every time a building touches another building, all of the bonuses fire. So if you can get like eight buildings all connected, you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. every time you build a building. So it's a really great game. It's super easy to play. It's easy to teach and it's fun. So I had the
0: first edition. I like it quite a bit. Second edition plays the same way. So, uh, this one's I mean we're not pro enough to disagree about the games we like. We're like real amateur hour stuff that we have to argue about which editions of games we like. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're you're a first edition man, I'm a second edition man. Uh I like the second edition. I think it's cool. Like I think the miniatures are definitely not necessary and I the game's play identically, I'm sure. But the thing I really like about this game, I like it a lot too. Um a lot a lot. But The thing I like about it so much is that there's like four really good strategies to play and they're very different to be competitive in this game like one way i've seen somebody win is that the first place they built was a spot that had a reward that was three victory points and then they connected to that every time so they got a whole pile of points by just connecting all the victory point routes together and getting them to snowball and pile together so every time he built something he got whatever the new city had plus three victory points plus and then so just kept getting more and more and more but he got that three victory points like seriously six seven times more than that probably even. And so you, you got just a ton of points but then also was able to get some other things going on too with it. So that was kind of an interesting strategy I saw – Really work well one time. Another time, I've seen somebody just focus on trying to, like, speedily, as fast as possible, get cheap, like, all the color sets that you can get to get those big bonus chits and just mm-hmm. get those big bonus chits. Um, another time, I've seen someone just, like, really focus on trying to get the uh, third of the board that there's done and just get the big piles of points for that. I mean, there's, so there's lots of ways you can play this game and be competitive. And I think that's really cool. And they're all super balanced, it seems like. So I really like this game a lot. There's no one clear way to win, I think. Um, but it's, it's just, it's perfect to me in that it's that next thing after a gateway game, next thing after a family weight game, and it's not going to melt your brain, but it's just enough to really make you think. And I don't know, we played this one a couple weeks ago too. You know, a game's really good when the table gets really quiet because people are really thinking about their stuff and really just involved in the game and not screwing around, you know? So this game definitely did that too. So I really like it. Console four.
1: Yeah, you can watch it on our channel. Kitty stomped me pretty handily by like thirty points, but wow, whatever. She was due. I beat her the last two, so we're all good.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna talk about anything because um, I've not been playing a ton, but also like I don't, I didn't play anything that I'm really interested in talking about, to be honest. And I will talk about this though. Uh, I just want to talk real quick for a couple minutes. We're we're starting to play some stuff on Board Game Arena uh, as a fan group, and Jason and I. And it's super fun to play games on, on board game arena for the most part, but it's just really interesting how every experience is very different. Like right now I'm playing three different games. I'm playing Elfinland, which is miserable. It's like the worst thing I've ever played online because like your turns are so fast, but then there's so much downtime between them. Uh, and then we're also playing uh, stone age and you you and I are playing that game and it it's it it's pretty good still. But the last time I played it, it was really fast. Like I did three or four turns uh, every couple hours and now it's like I'm doing one turn a day. So that's kind of a slow pace. And then mm-hmm. the last one I'm playing is Keyflower, which is like kind of a lot to play on Board Game Arena turn based, but really fun. I mean, so if you've never played a turn based game on Board Game Arena, I think you should check it out. It's it's pretty good, but your, your mileage may vary on that because I mean, like, even in just my experiences playing it, I've had the same game be really good one time and then pretty okay the next time. And that's with Stone Age. Um, so I don't know. Um, I'm enjoying it though. And it's been fun playing with you, even though we're 100 miles apart.
1: Yeah, it, i I enjoy taking my turns, but I just hate waiting for my turn to come back around.
0: <laughs> yeah. We we need to get a copy of Dice or a round of Dice Forge going. That's the most fun one on there. Like Dice Forge is really a blast. Um and there's like a lot of stuff that you do in that. Because if you get like uh one of those like um uh, what is it? The uh the faces that let you choose which resource you get, you get pinged oh, yeah. a bunch for that. And then if you if you get one of those reroll die uh, cards where you get a reroll die occasionally, like that that pings you too. So I mean like it's just a lot of really cool things that happen in that with and it's just it's really well done. So uh, some things on Board Game Arena are really great, some aren't. Um, but I'm I'm having some mixed results, but mostly fun with it. So if you haven't played it, totally free too, uh, to play most of the games. There's some premium games on there that you do have to pay a little bit of a subscription for, but overall, a lot of fun to be had for no money. So uh, that's the thrifty, thrifty board game moment uh, for you guys. So uh, that's it. Uh, I guess, man, I think seriously, we're in the top 20, dude. I'm ready to start talking about this. How about you? Let's do it. Let's roll. Jason, number 20 It's a game that happens in space that I think you'd like, but I can see this one dropping possibly because of a game that you just played recently. And I'm going to be playing quite a bit soon. Uh, that game is Terraforming Mars. Um, you're basically running a corporation that's trying to develop technologies in order to Terraform Mars. And it's all really kind of card-driven, and there's a board that's kind of secondary to what you're doing with your cards. It's engine building. It's trying to get the cards to pop and, and synergize real well. Um, but I think I've heard a lot of people say Underwater Cities does a lot of the same things. Um, And I know Wingspan feels a little like it's my engine building game that I like the most right now, Um, but Terraforming Mars is still really good, really, really rock solid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't kick it out of my collection for sure, because it's just, it's good, it's very good. Um, It gets criticized for having bad components, and I would say, yeah, it's a fair criticism. The componentry in this game is bad, but I. At the same time, don't think they thought this game was going to be the huge hit it was. So Terraforming Mars from Stronghold slash Axis Games, something like that. Um, Yeah, really good game. Terraforming Mars number 20.
1: Yeah, I haven't played this one, but I do really like Underwater Cities. (laughs) It's really good.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing Underwater Cities a lot too.
1: So my number 20 is a game that had I made this list after I played the expansion, it would probably be in my top 10. And that is the Quacks of Quedlinburg.
0: I can't believe the expansion makes it that much better. It doesn't, it's not that it makes it
1: better. It just gives it, well, it gives it some better chips. So it gives it like a six value pumpkin. And then it gives you these one time per game powers that you can use. There's three of them that you'll be able to use. So it just gives you a little more flexibility in the gameplay. So I like it a lot.
0: My pro strat on this game. If you can somehow figure out how to get a moth early in the game, man, that makes your life good. Is that like, the black The black yeah. one? Oh, it's so powerful. If you're the I only kn- one that has a moth for a couple rounds, too, like you're going to get to move that drop up and just be feeling good about life.
1: <laughs> I never buy that one, ever.
0: Good. You and I will play, and I'll teach you how to play <laughs> with that black moth.
1: I only buy the yellows and the blues, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. So if you don't know what this game is, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I've, well, I've talked about it a lot. I did a review for it on our channel as well. You can go check that out. So this is a push your luck game. You're drawing these chits out of a bag and you're putting them in your pot. And you're trying to get as far as, as many chits in your pot as you can to get farther and farther around to get more points and more buy value. But the trick here is if you get so many white ones, you can bust and then you have to determine if you want to take points or you want to take some buy. So it's normal push your luck stuff, but the way that it does it is kind of neat. So this is probably my favorite push your luck game. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. I'm pretty sure that's correct, and it's. I can only see it going up because I played this game a ton and I love it. So my number twenty, Quacks of Quedlinburg.
0: You you remember how I was talking about how I'm watching more board game videos now, Jason? Yep. Deep Blue. You watched anything about that?
1: Oh yeah, that game looks cool actually.
0: Yeah, it's. I thought it looked like it was right down your alley. Like, oh yeah, push your luck and yeah. Yeah, but Quacks is really good. I like it because my wife has played it with me a few times recently, and she actually kind of enjoys it too. So um, I've never seen a game evoke more emotional responses probably in recent years (laughs) than Quacks. That's Um, for sure. Like that last round, you draw your seven value of white, cottony-looking ingredients, whatever they are, garlic, I don't know what they are, the white ingredients, and you draw those out early and you aren't going to get points, it makes you so angry. So I've learned enough, though, that you need to kind of leave your little vial of sauce or whatever there to flip in the last round so you can definitely keep going. But, yeah, it's a good game for sure, for sure. All right, before I go to number 19, Jason, a quick aside, because I think that you just mentioned Underwater Cities. I don't know if you fudged your list to get it on there or not. But what game – do you have a game that you've played since – I mean, our lists are a couple months old now. Is there a game that you'd be like, that game's in the top 100 for sure, and I wasn't able to work it in? Do you have one of those?
1: Yes. Predator Porter would be in the top 100.
0: Ah, fair enough, man. And, uh, I, and I,
1: I did squeeze Underwater Cities in too, but yeah, did I did only squeeze one in. Yeah.
0: So so where would Predator Porter land, do you think? Um, at
1: two-player – which is faster and plays the same, I would probably get, it would probably be in the top 50.
0: Wow. That's awesome.
1: I, I like it quite a bit.
0: I think that's where I put it too. Uh, I like it quite a bit as well. I'm not sure it's going to be a top 20 for me, but it's, it's good. It's really good. And the more I play it, the more I'm like, oh, there's a lot going on here. Um, mine would be toi with the ladies expansion. Um, I've never played it with the ladies before, like real recently. And, I would probably fire the game that I'm going to talk about next with that one. Um, But I'm going to stick with this one because I think this one's still a top 100 game and should be mentioned. And that's Black Angel. So Black Angel, um, it is really similar to Twa in a lot of ways. Um, But it's basically a game where you're running an AI on a spaceship after after humans are no longer existing. Our DNA got salvaged and put on the spaceship – we sent it off into space and had AI try and keep our DNA fresh. So that way we hope that uh, uh, either the AI, and this AI themselves or maybe a, a nice alien species could take our DNA and recreate humans on another Goldilocks planet. But you're trying to improve your programming of your AI and uh, it's going to make these like columns or rows of, of actions fire if you do that sometimes. Um, you're trying to use these die in other people's die, even to try and do a number of actions where you're fighting off bad guys, trying to move the ship through space, trying to establish little, almost like space stations of yours that you get to do worker placements on. Um, a lot of really cool things happen in this game and I'm not sure that it would be, it might be number 19 high, but I think, I think Twas higher to me. Because this game has a lot going on and it's a lot of fun to play all these different elements and put them together. And there's even more going on in this than there is in Twa with Ladies of Twa. But Twa to me is just a streamlined, just everything you need, elegant cool game. And with the Ladies it just it just rounds that game and finishes it up. So I think that Twa shouldn't be played without Ladies probably because I played Twa years ago and I thought, that's ah, it's fine. Um, but the Ladies expansion makes that game so good. So I, I would say Black Angel is my 19. I'm going to stick with that, and it probably would stay 19. But I'm thinking Twa, man, it's going to be higher next year on the list. So that's where I'm going to leave it at, Uh, number 19, Black Angel.
1: I like Twa c- quite a bit, but no one else in my game groups likes it, so it was gone. But yeah, I, and that's when, I think it's not even on my list, maybe. I don't know, but I, I enjoy it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting how your game group not liking a game makes you not enjoy it because you need people to play stuff with, you know?
1: Right, so. yeah, unless, unless they're solo, but...
0: Yeah. All
1: right, so my 19 is a, actually another game that I don't get to play a ton, but the couple times that I have played it, I've really enjoyed it and want to play it more and more and more, and that is Terra Mystica. Good pick. I'm pretty sure you've talked about this already, I believe. Yep. And this is a game you already discussed. You're basically trying to build these civilizations i guess on this planet but you're trying to terraform the planet into certain types of like i don't know land that you like so like mermaids want water and there are other places that want like forests and stuff and every time you build something on the map you're opening up these spots on your player board they're going to give you more income more special abilities different types of other things you can do it's a pretty heady game it's pretty quick though actually for what it is I think you play over five or six rounds and they go fairly quickly for, you know, a Euro game. Yeah. So if you if you want a game that's a little beefier than Clans of Caledonia or just different and you like games where the more you build, the better income and other powers you get, then check this one out. So my number 19, Terra Mystica.
0: I was going to say I've actually talked about this one twice and said that I talked about Clans and Terra Mystica. <laughs> but you kind of got you got yeah, to that one on me for you. Uh, yeah, Terramisca is really good. And you're right. It's not incredibly long. Uh, for the amount of density and heaviness in that game and the, actually the amount of accomplishment you feel, like really the board does change a lot, and your player board changes a lot over the course of the game. Um, it's it's You feel like you've accomplished a lot in a pretty short amount of time, and it is pretty thick. It's a thick game. So good pick, Jason. I like it. I had it a little lower than you, but not too bad. Uh, Jason, my number 18 is one that is like, Brand new to me. Um, we kind of we kind of poked fun at this one winning every award last year. And I was like, you know what? I ought to pick it up just so I can have an educated opinion about it. Well, um, Crow is tasty because it sure does taste good when you <laughs> eat Crow. Uh, Root is really good. And Root's the game. Um, it's super fun. Uh, you have – just in the base game all I've played, there's these four factions that are playing. And they basically play mechanically totally differently. The one I played uh, – Uh, or the one I'm most familiar with, I guess, is the one where I'm like, uh, the, like blue, the blue birds, kind of like the bird faction. And I'm programming basically my actions and how powerful my actions are by tucking cards underneath my player board. And so I'm tucking cards just for their suit values underneath my board. And I get to keep getting stronger and stronger. And if I plan really, really well, I can get this programming done so well that I'm incredibly powerful until I'm not. And then once I bonk out and can't do anything, then I've got to take a bunch of my cards out and start over basically building this thing up and and doing better. Uh, There's like the cat faction, which is like all over the board. They're like the ones that starts off powerful and we're all coming for you kind of thing. But they kind of play like a Euro game and that you're building more settlements and trying to like get your sawmills to generate more resources so you can keep generating more recruitment camp kind of things and do all these things to just kind of – Get things get things going stronger. Then there's like the I don't know they like look like uh, frogs kind of the green faction. They're like just kind of like troublemakers. They like go and sow discord like around like local camps. So like they basically are setting up these traps, um, almost or setting up these things that give them a ton of points. And so you get, like, a nice settlement set up. Like, I've been working on getting a settlement with my blue guys and programming these cards, or the orange player has been working on getting their orange stuff on the board and set up just right. Well, then green comes in, and, like, within a couple of moves, they sow enough Discord in that community and uh, make people mad at us that, like, basically there's a revolt, and everyone has to wipe their stuff out of that region. So, like, and then they get a bunch of points for doing it. And then the last one is when you go into these places, you can sometimes get items. Well, then you trade your items for cards with this, like, like, vagrant-type raccoon guy. And he's got the, maybe the most complicated job out of all of them. Um, but he's basically, like, scavenging for these items that you get and he trades you cards for them and gets points for doing that in the meantime um, and just kind of has a little bit of, a like... There's a kind of set collection in the Green Guys group, too. But also the raccoon, they just all play different. They all play, like, different board games, but they're not super hard to learn. It's by the same people who made Vast. And, like, I think this one actually probably is set up better to learn and be taught than Vast was. I think they learned from that. That Vast is like, I don't want to play it because who wants to teach this game? So anyway, Root, really fun to play. Uh, really cool. And it's it's a little mean. It's a little dudes on the map being mean to each other kind of thing. But I think it'd be okay enough for you, Jason, that you'd be okay playing it. Um, we'd give you the most Euro-y faction, and you'd be happy, I think.
1: Yeah, I haven't played this. I've played Vast a couple times, and i enjoyed Vast. But, yeah, that teaching is whew. It was rough.
0: Yep. Well, yeah, cool. So, Route 18 for me.
1: All right. So, my number 18 is a game that looks like it should be beefy to teach. It's really not. It's actually pretty straightforward to teach, and it is called Dinosaur Island. Um, Dinosaur Island is a game. It's a worker placement game, kind of, with some dice placement, and then uh, you're doing some worker placement on your board. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to use these dice and your workers to build these dinosaurs, by mixing different DNA and all that stuff and put them in your park. So people will come visit. You're just trying to have the most exciting park, um, without having too many people of your dinosaurs break free and start eating your, your, you know, patrons because they eat patrons, you lose money. So it's, it's really fun. It's, uh, it looks really cool with some eighties artwork. If you like worker placement games that are pretty beefy, but yet easy to teach and easy to play, then check this out. So number 18 dinosaur Island,
0: yeah, great pick, Jason. This was substantially lower on mine just because I don't think I've played it much this year, but I'm really anxious to play it. Uh, I just actually worked with some guys on getting it played this weekend. Um, I think I complained about the expansion being kind of let down. and I'll stick by that. But Dinosaur Island, the base game, is very good. It's still in my top 100, too. Good pick, Jason. Yep. Uh, my number 17, I think you may have talked about it already. If not, I'm sure you will. Lahav. It's, I think, my favorite Rosenberg game. Um, it's a really good game. It's the standard. You get to take resources from a spot, kind of, as they pile up. Um, but it's really generous, especially at certain player counts. So you always feel like you're you're making choices. And whereas in Agricola, you feel like you're making a choice that might help you scratch scratch by and just maybe feed your people and maybe advance your family a little bit. Lahav feels like every action you choose is going to be super good for you no matter what. So it's like, which one of these awesome choices am I going to pick that's going to be really good for me? Um, and it's like, which of these awesome choices is the best as opposed to which of these horrible choices is going to like maybe help me the most, which is how Agricola feels to me. So Lahav is the generous version of, of – of, uh, of Agricola the thing I like about this one too is it's got a couple of like inside the base box it's got a couple of ways you can play with different game lengths and just how much you're going to play the game and get involved with it so if you want a really long rich game experience you can play it that way there's also kind of a quicker almost family level variant of it that's pretty quick um but yeah basically trying to gather steel and food and things to build ships in a shipyard so Lahav pretty good it means the harbor
1: yeah, I think I talked about this previously. It was 30 or 40 or something. Yeah, I like this one quite a bit. So, my number 17 is a game that I ragged on at two players because I can't stand it at two players, but I like as it as you one- should have. Yes. But the funny thing is, I like it at one, three, f- four, and five. <laughs> yeah. Solo is better than two. And that game is called Goo Gong. Yeah. Um, So the more I played this at higher player counts, the more I really liked the game. Um, It's a worker placement game, kind of, but you're using these cards instead of workers, and you have to... The trick here is you have to substitute a card that's on the board with a card that's higher value to be able to take the action on the card and the action of the space without having to pay some extra stuff. What you're trying to do is you're trying to... You're basically playing like eight little mini-games all in one to try to build the better walls than everybody else have better espionage or whatever than everybody else collect these jade pieces make sure you're climbing up the wall to go see the emperor and then move your boat around to get some special abilities it's one of those games where you're just doing a whole bunch of different things to try to have more points than everybody else it looks gorgeous the player pieces are amazing the production is just off the chain on this one and i really enjoy it so my number 17 gu gong
0: yeah it's interesting you put this one right next to dinosaur island because this one's similar in the same regard that dinosaur island's modular and you can explain the little chunks of it uh on their own and then they kind of go together to make this game and same thing's true with gugong Gu gong too i think you're exactly right it's not very heavy it's a pretty light game actually um in general like all the actions are easy to understand on it except for i find that the little canal at the bottom is a little tricky to explain but otherwise it's pretty easy for people to grasp but then then when you start playing it you start getting that thing of like okay is it more important that i just don't take an action and upgrade my card for next round and set myself up better, or is it better that I ditch a card, or you know, I mean, like that kind of thing. So there's just some really interesting choices that do happen inside the game. Um, I do like it quite a bit. Go on, good pick, Jason.
1: Thanks.
0: Number sixteen, Anachrony, Jason. This is like uh, worker placement with another like worker placement game built into it. Kind of, it's like there's stages of worker placement almost in it. You're you have these mech suits, and there's certain things you have to put workers in mech suits to do. And they're the more important actions, it feels like, the better actions. Um, but you kind of have to predetermine how many people are going to be loaded up in these mech suits before you start really doing your actions, um, which is kind of cool. Then the whole, the whole premise of the game is you're doing time travel. So you're going in the future and past to borrow resources and then you have to pay them back or else you create like, I don't know, uh, like what is it called? Butterfly effect kind of things or I don't know. But it penalizes if you can't pay things back. Um, so you're just basically trying to um, use these mech suits and your your own little kind of special power for your company to, to accomplish uh, the goals of Anachrony. Um, so that's a bad explanation for sure. It's a really fun game, though. Um, do enjoy this one quite a bit. And you like this one too, right?
1: Uh, I haven't officially played it at other than like double handed solo. So but what I played of that, yes, I really enjoyed
0: yeah, it's a good game. It's a beast for sure, but it's good. And then there's some expansions now. So if that didn't feel like enough that I, I, you know, it's hard to explain a game in like two minutes. That's kind of a big game. So if you want me to really explain a game badly, I'll talk about the expansion with it too next time. So because um, <laughs> they're adding more to it. So um, but anyway, it's like staged worker placement using these mech suits to kind of do the hazardous work. There's really not that many places you can go. So I mean, like, yeah, but it's it's cool. I like that staged working kind of thing.
1: Yeah, uh, well, all I know from the little 2 a game I played, it looks uh, way heavier than it is, but essentially you can go to like four or five places, and then you're done. So my number 16 is a game from What's Your Game, again, and it is called Zhang Wo. And I don't know who always played this game or if you've played this game. I haven't, and every time I see
0: you type it in, I always think it's called Zhang <laughs>
1: It does look like that, I guess. (laughs) But what this is, it's a pretty basic concept. You're taking a card from your hand, and you're either going to play it to your player board in one of the, I think, four different locations or five different locations, or you're going to play it onto the main board to take one of the main actions and fire off all of the cards that are in one of the sections of your player board that have... Um, certain types of bonuses on them. So, you're trying to install governors in these different areas of, I think it's China. You're trying to build, yeah, China, because you're building the Great Wall. And you're trying to build the Great Wall. You're trying to um, inv- install, like, um, senators and peacekeepers in each of the different territories on your player board. And there's just a whole bunch of stuff going on with the core of the gameplay, like vita likes to do, where you just play a card, and then piles of things just happened because of that card so if you like that kind of gameplay and you want a game a game that's really brain burning like building that tableau on, on your player board is just super like ap inducing and i love it so my number 16 Zhang Wu.
0: we need to play this one because i think this is probably the highest game on your list that i haven't played if i had to guess um and uh, man i didn't realize you liked it this much
1: it's i think it's my favorite what's your game game if i was if i'm correct.
0: All right, number 16, Wu-Tang. Got it. Uh, <laughs> Wu-Tang. <laughs> number 15 for me is Brass Lancashire. Uh, I I want to say I, I lumped the brasses together, but I don't think I did. Um, this one's the original brass. Uh, it's just a cool networking game. You're trying to get coal and iron and infrastructure put into place to make factories to export goods and get points. And it's just all set in the Industrial Revolution. Uh, where you start in the Canal Age and moving to the Railroad Age. Um, it's just standard Martin Wallace. It's everything Martin Wallace does well, put into one awesome package. Um, a lot of little rules in there, but it's just a neat game. And I just like how you develop the game over time. I like how it feels so good to get your materials used up on your tile so you can flip them over and get those points. Um, there's a lot of ways to play this game and win it. So, Brass Lancashire, uh, you. Yep. You, I mean, if you're listening to us at this point on episode 99, you probably know what brass is. But I love brass number 15.
1: Yeah, I haven't played Lancashire, but I played regular brass, so I think it's just the same, right? Oh no, yeah, I have. Played, I, I did play this one actually.
0: There's like a minor difference on it. Like, there's one of the routes that's not open on the original brass, the true right. frog brass, and then it's like they open it up to make the game a little less punishing. So that's why you definitely would like the older version because it hurts more. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I no, did play this. It, I
1: played this with you and your brother. I, I uh, remember. Oh,
0: my gosh. Worst experience yeah. of this game ever for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do like Brass a lot, though. Uh, so my number 15 is a game that we just talked about not too long ago because we played it at a meetup, and it is called Newton. Mm. I don't know why I said it like that, but it's called Newton. And this is from the Italian guys as well. Um, you're basically... Playing these cards down that are going to determine what actions you can take. And it's one of those games where you kind of have to pick, like, focus your attention and kind of do a few things. You can't do them all because if you try to do them all, the game's going to slap you around. I'm not going to talk about it a ton because we just talked about it a couple weeks ago. But if you like the Italian designers and you like games like Grand Austria, Zulkin, all those types of games, maybe give this one a go because it's pretty good. So minor 15, Newton.
0: Very good, Jason. Tracks the game. I like it though.
1: <laughs> it is tracks the game for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, this one's getting a lot of comparisons, at least in our little group, to uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, and I can see where they're kind of feel the same a little bit, but they're different games. I think I don't know, um, but they're both good for sure. I don't, yep. I don't know where the comparisons coming from to be honest.
1: Um, I mean, they both have tracks. Yeah, I guess
0: they both have pretty dull art.
1: yeah that's true they do kind of look
0: similar Uh, yeah for sure Uh, number 14 Jason oh man this is where I'm going to get into (sighs) okay the next two games like uh, I refuse to comment on Uh, unless you make a comment and I will comment back So I guess it's not exactly refusing. Um, But number 14 is Wingspan. I know this is the most hyped beast of a game ever in all of time probably. But man, it's still good. I like it a lot. It's just an awesome engine builder. And the theme's cool too. I like the little fun facts about birds on it. I like the art. I like that my wife loves this game and will play it with me because it's a cool theme that she likes and it's actually it's not a heavy game by any means but it's it's a it can be a thinky game at times Uh, there's a lot going on with it and so like i think it's a weighted it's definitely a next next steps gateway plus kind of game for sure i think it's getting a lot of people into heavier games wingspan is just it's a good game um and i'm all in on it for sure um at number 14 i like it a lot it just feels gratifying to play i think every time i play it i put it away and go, that was really good. And I think I like this game maybe a bit more than I did the last time because you just find these neat combinations of things. Um, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'll just say it. Um, Wingspan, the European birds, coming to my house for Christmas for her. So uh, I'll let you know about that. It's sometime in the new year. But, um, I mean, like I would really be excited to see some fresh new mechanics going in this game too because even though there's a, a million fresh different cards in this game – They're like, they copy each other a lot. So there's a lot of different things that happen with these cards, but not every card's totally unique in what it does. There's variations of the same cards and things. So a few new fresh cards in there and the European stuff will be really cool for me to see, I think. So uh, Wingspan number 14, love it. And I know it's hyped to death. And I might be a victim of that a little bit, but I think it's a good game on its own, Wingspan.
1: Yeah, I played this game twice, once with you and once with my new Hotness buddy. And. I enjoy it. I just don't think I like it as much as a lot of other people. Like it, it's fine. It just it always seems like it, it goes too quickly at less than four, but then with four, it feels like it goes too long. So mm. my struggle is I, I I want it to be somewhere in the middle. Like a two player games over in like twenty minutes, and I feel like I just getting started, and then we're done. And then at a four player game, I'm taking my forty, you know, my thirteen second action, and then I wait for four minutes. Until it comes back around to me, and I I don't love that. So, but yeah, I, I do enjoy the game.
0: You know, there's something between two and four. So that, I just saying. Check check out check out that three, bud. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll be happy. I don't know. I like it at two actually. It's it zips right along at two. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I get it's not for everybody. But that's why, like, seriously, like, if we all like the same games, then we would see like four games come out a year. I don't know, like different yeah. strokes for different folks. You know, for sure. Hey, speaking of 14s, Jason, I bet you have one.
1: <laughs> I do have one, and it is a game by Vitaliserta, and it is called Lisboa.
0: I excellent pick.
1: And I actually just played this solo uh, this weekend. I think maybe or maybe Monday. I don't know. One of the two days. And what this is is it's a game like I just talked about earlier, where you're going to play a card, you're going to do a thing. You're either going to put a card down on in your player board and it's going to let you do a few different kinds of actions. Or are you going to put a card onto the actual board and you're going to get to talk to one of the nobles? You're going to be able to build some storefronts, some public buildings, or maybe what's the middle guy do, uh, get some decrees or something. I can't remember what he does, but you're just trying to get the most points, build the most buildings, <laughs> Build Lizboa up better than everybody else. Uh, if you like Vitao games, this is one you definitely need to check out because it looks gorgeous and it has really smooth, streamlined gameplay with this player guide that is just off the chain. So, my number 14, Lisboa.
0: It's a simple game. Draw a card, play a card. That's how Vitao Luterte describes it.
1: Yep, and he's not uh, wrong.
0: It's about right, but then there's a flow chart you have to follow that there literally is a book that you get as a player guide that is the flowchart? Uh, no, it's, this is awesome. I love this game. I, I shared my complaint about this game on the group yesterday, uh, so you would have got this hot take a day earlier if you joined our social media stuff. Um, the coins in this game suck. <laughs> like I don't use the coins and mm. I use poker chips and spirit. They they do suck. Like just the little ten pile versus five pile. Like they're nominally different in size, and like I just I don't like it. So uh, yeah find another way to do the coins in this game guys. Um, and I think maybe it was a ploy to sell metal coins cause they definitely sold metal coins for this game. So, uh, Lisboa is awesome though, for sure. <sighs> All right. Number 13, Jason, again, very <laughs> hyped game, very hyped game, but I love it. I really do love this game. This is my most played game this year. Um, I played it every week at multiple times for a while. And this is one that my son calls a 10 out of 10. He'll play with me anytime. Um, it's the most abstracted civilization game ever and really it's not – it got – the only reason why this game got beat up so badly is because it's not your typical civ building game It's and it's not. It's move stuff on tracks uh, and it's tapestry um, and it's energy – energy – synergy uh, and engine building um, and just kind of progressing things on a chosen path to make, to make things work well and then also picking your chosen faction – to kind of make things balance and work well. Tapestry is really good. It's super high production value. I love the production value of it. I think that actually does add to the game, makes it a little more fun to play. Um, But Tapestry is a really excellent, very much abstracted civilization builder, but you're basically trying to build tech trees up and there's so little interaction with each other on a map to be mean and fight each other that I think that's probably one of the keys that's going to make this game something you wouldn't mind, Jason, that when you go out and fight on the map, you don't really care like and it doesn't happen all that much to be honest you're so busy trying to do all the other cool things that you want to do in your civilization um, but then you throw in there some technology cards some player powers all kinds of stuff just a lot of game in a box pretty fun tapestry 13.
1: yeah this is one that I would play for sure uh, the more I've watched on it the more I realize it's mostly just a euro game so <laughs> yeah yeah it's got tracks it's it's another track the game game so I, I like that but yeah you're really turning into a little Stonemeyer fanboy.
0: Dude, I love Stonemaier.
1: <laughs> I do too. I really do. I just like not, I, I don't like them as much as you do, I think.
0: I, I like brought games to to Thanksgiving, and I just packed stuff that I thought, hey, this is accessible, but it's good, and I'd like to play it. And I brought Wingspan. I brought uh, Scythe. I brought Tapestry and Viticulture. like, And it was just by chance that I brought them. But those are all – they fit that – that mark of games i like to play but aren't impossible to teach and i could play with like you know brothers and cousins for sure so i'm definitely a fanboy though i like i like their stuff it's just the right weight for what i like so i don't know i'll, I'll be okay with it
1: yeah i mean i like their games too i, I don't like as many as you but yeah i love you for euphoria, euphoria and viticulture wingspan's okay yeah i mean they do they're good at what they do for sure
0: what an emotional roller coaster you just took me on jason <laughs> when you said i love you and then you're like i love Euphoria. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry i'm pulling at the heartstrings
0: <laughs> jason i do love you um almost as much as i love you for you uh
1: yeah uh, I,
0: I i man i boy i'm i'm lining them up in a row there aren't i back to back
1: yeah that's why i, yeah, I was looking ahead a little bit um uh, my number 13 is not a Stone Meyer game But it is from the Italian guys, because I do love the Italian guys.
0: I do, too. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) They make a good game.
1: And this is another game that I've played live with Katie. Uh, Maybe I've done a video on it, too. I don't know. But it's called Grand Austria Hotel. And this is not my favorite game by them, but it's up there. And what this is is it's a dice-drafting game. You're drafting these dice to open rooms in your hotel, get different types of food to feed your guests, um, earn money. Uh, what else could you do? Move your guide down the emperor track because tracks and you're just trying to get more people in your hotel, certain colors, matching certain rooms and all that mess doing that better than your opponent, trying to score the most points. And if you're playing Katie, you're not going to do that. So my number 13 grand Dodger hotel.
0: Yeah, that's a good game. I own this one. Um, I, I got this one because I thought it would be a pretty light game, pretty accessible game. And the more I try to explain it to people, the more I'm like, yeah, there's a little too involved with this. I mean, if it was just the collecting the different kinds of food to make the people happy to go up different, you know, like amounts of points and stuff and get little little benefits, that'd be pretty easy. But then you add that whole like set collection, trying to make rows and columns and all kinds of goodness with the hotel that 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 adds a little bit to it. Um, but it's a really good game. I like it a lot for sure. Yep. Uh, Jason, number 12, Viticulture. Three in a row. <laughs> Bring them up. This one's awesome. Uh, I think you had this on a couple weeks ago. Uh, my big criticism of this, uh, it's a great game. It's a worker placement game that is just a good worker placement game. It's just a, just a rock-solid, beautiful worker placement game that just does worker placement very well. But the problem I have with it is this game to me is like I did take it to Thanksgiving, like I said, and I even tried to set it up to play it. But then I was like, I don't want to have to explain cards to people. I don't want to have them get cards and be like, what does this card mean? I don't understand what this card does and the visitors and all that stuff. So um, I put it back in the box and we didn't play it. So that's my criticism of this is that it's a clean, fairly simple, straightforward worker placement game. But then you throw that card stuff in there. And the other criticism people have about the cards is that the cards aren't super balanced. So if you get the luck of the draw, if you get more cards or better cards, uh, you're you're going to have an advantage in this game. So I guess the the thing is try and do better with your cards and get more cards. But um, the cards in this kind of make it a little bit dampered for me because it's really – there's just enough stuff that happens with those cards that you have to have somebody who can kind of figure out what they mean. And if you have to explain the cards to them, which are supposed to be secret knowledge, it kind of puts a damper on things. But otherwise, it's a really sleek, beautiful, uh, streamlined, good game of basically wine tourism. You're running a vineyard that you're trying to basically sell the wine, but there's no wine festival. There's nothing like going on there. You're just selling the wine for money. But you're also trying to add more attractions to try and get more guests to come and see your vineyard and enjoy the prestige of your vineyard. So Viticulture twelve.
1: Yeah, I like Viticulture. I think I mentioned it before. It used to be up around this area, but I haven't played it in a while, so it fell a little bit. But good game.
0: Yeah, I think it was last week, maybe.
1: Yeah, it it could be right. Uh, The next game I want to talk about is a game from Marty Wallace. And it is probably the game from him that I've played more than all the ones that I have. And it is called London. And this game is just incredible. I had the first edition. Get second. Doesn't really matter. They're both cool. Um, but what you're doing in this game is you are just creating this huge engine with cards and you're trying to run this engine to clean up, uh, poverty, uh, earn money. Um, I don't know, get some little underground tokens out on the board to score you more points. But the trick here is when you run your engine, you're going to get poverty for every card in your engine plus cards in your hands, and it's just so the bigger your engine is the more poverty you're going to get so you're trying to build buildings on this map to reduce the poverty it's it's a good balance a good a lot of decisions to make with pretty simple mechanisms so if you like martin wallace and you like cool card games and in your building i would say check this one out and that is london number 12
0: i think i talked about this in last week too love it a lot actually a really good game Um, and this is one of those games that it's like lose by the least and you're going to win because you get (laughs) beat up pretty bad by poverty. Yep. For sure. Uh, number 11, Jason, and where we'll end at for me this week is Yokohama. Uh, this one's new to the list because I just got a chance to play it this year. Um, it's, It gets compared a lot to Istanbul, and I don't feel like they're that similar. They both have these modular boards that have kind of similar things going on with them. But in this game, you're basically trying to run like a a company, like an importing magnate kind of thing. And so you have these big boss guys that can kind of go around the path of their workers. um, And then you basically are able to use whatever space you end up with your boss person to do the power of that. That square you end up on, based on how much uh, how many workers you have there or how much influence you have there. And that's a way oversimplification of it, but basically you're moving around just trying to get goods, sell them. Um, and get victory points and it's just really a well done game. Um, really fun to play and it's pretty unique. it doesn't feel like a whole lot else out there. So uh, really it is worker movement worker placement but set in set in Yokohama and it's uh, around this booming economy that's tr- starting to you know have big needs and have big exports and you're involved with that import-export game and basically using a network of workers and then making those workers be powerful for you that when you get your boss man there, he can do the action you really want to do and you can, you know, um, add to those tiles, um, make them kind of your own a little bit and, uh, yeah, really cool game.
1: Yeah, I haven't played this one. I have played Istanbul. So if it's like that, at least a little bit, I might have to check this out.
0: It's good, man. I think you'd like it a lot. I think Istanbul is a really good game. And I think when people are nasty and mean, they say that this game fired Istanbul. I don't understand that, to be honest. Istanbul is a good game, and it stands on its own. And I will continue to play and own Istanbul. But if you like Istanbul, I can see where you... The comparison's enough that if you like Istanbul, there's a good chance you're going to like this one as well.
1: Cool. So the last one I'm going to talk about today, my number 11, is another Vitao game. And it is called Kanban. Pretty sure you've already discussed this one as well. I believe.
0: Maybe Yoda's going to be in the new reprint, which is cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so if that's true, that's awesome. But if not, I'm going to tell you what the game is about a little bit. So it is, um, you're trying to make cars in this car factory, and it's a worker placement game. There's, I think, four or five places you can go, so not a ton. You're going to go to a place, and you're going to have so many actions at each location to do certain things. So you may be getting car parts. You may be getting car designs. You may be test driving your car. You may be pushing cars off the assembly line, down into the test track, so on and so forth. You're just trying to do this stuff more efficiently than everybody else, hence every other game I've talked about, and get the most points. It's super fun. Um, One of my favorite VTAL games, but it's super hard to teach, which, which knocks it down a little bit lower. So if it was easier to teach, maybe it had some better graphic design. So maybe the new one might actually help a little bit with the busy board. Maybe that'll get it played more. So my number 11, Kanban.
0: Very good, Jason. I uh, like this game a lot, too. Uh, we'll be getting a reprint, it looks like, in the next year or so. So if you want to try and get this copy, I, it's it's pretty widely available still, I think, from Stronghold. I mean, like I think it might be – it's not being printed more, but I think you can find copies in the wild. So uh, it's available right now, but I think it'll be more widely available next year. We're Maybe the year after, but it's going to be hitting Kickstarter with a nice, new, pretty Eagle Griffin version of this. So I think I'm looking forward to that for sure. That I don't know if I'm going to get it, but it looks pretty sweet.
1: It does look sweet. Like the, Some of the pictures that Vita has been posting have been really nice. The components are sweet.
0: If I win the lottery, I'm definitely getting one, but we'll see.
1: <laughs> it's only going to be
0: $192. Yeah, plus shipping. <laughs> uh no it's i mean i don't think the game's gonna change really but it's gonna look nice and that's if the graphic design gets cleaned up a little by Eno tool like that would maybe help this game a little to make it more accessible to the table um i know they tried to make it more accessible by color coordinating it with the most recent print but i still think even then it's if they can clean up the design of the board a little bit it's gonna do this game a favor for sure
1: yeah Yeah. if, if this was a tree frog version all the spaces would just be different shades of brown with no background colors, and it would make it actually a lot easier to play probably. <laughs> and It would just have like
0: very abstracted symbols of what happens there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it would look like Encyclopedia Britannica. Yep. Uh, no, that's it. Uh, I Man, this, this one was uh, I think pretty quick for our top tens, but I feel like we needed to do this one tonight like this. Um, I'm pretty excited to do number episode 100 next week. Uh, top ten, man. Yep. Pretty great. I'm pumped. Well, I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. And keep
1: gaming. Keep gaming.